Hey, y'all, this is Ryan Monso, and this is the Talking About Them Cougars podcast from GoCougs.com in affiliation with Dave Campbell's Texas Football Republic of Football Podcast Network. He's Brad Towns, former U of H athlete, and we're talking UTSA. Houston beats the Roadrunners 17-14 on a ugly game, a not pretty game. A win's a win. You take the win. You'd be happy about the win. But it wasn't great to watch. We're going to get into it. But first, there's a theme song. Yahoo! I'm Stuart Gus, official personal injury attorney of U of H Athletics. As you know, a great quarterback wins championships. If you've been injured in an auto accident, big or small, you can trust Gus to quarterback your case. Call 866-TRUST-GUS today. Principal Office, Houston, Texas. I thought there were some things that you can hang your hat on and be happy about and build on going into the future. And then I thought there was the other 88% of the game that was a struggle. Give me your first thoughts. Yay, woo, it's a win. Um, outside of that, outside of that, um, hmm, a whole lot of work in progress. I think that's going to be the key word for the next probably two or three weeks is work in progress. We're going to hear that more and more and more and more. Um, hopefully, hopefully it evolves sooner rather than later. Hopefully we don't wait until the fifth game of the year to make that change. Um, or have it all come together. You want to see an identity before then. It would be nice. It would yeah. be nice. Um, but then again, you know, I don't, I don't know what, I don't know what U of H's identity is for the last, even, I mean, we even go back before Dana got here. I mean, we kind of lost our identity. Well, you had no identity under major. None. None. When Kendall Browse came in and just started going warp speed, you had an identity, but it, it was not, you scored a lot of points, but it, it was just a, it looked like somebody let a kid run the show. Well, yeah. I mean, it was, it was just purely a video game. Yeah. That's a good way to put it. Um, and since Dana, not a video game. Well, unless what is the opposite like, of video game? Um, marbles. Okay, um, sure. We'll go with that. About, a, about the same pace. Yeah, and I say same pace. I'm. I mean, let's. I can't even say that the pace was slow because I mean we we ran what seventy two plays, seventy one yeah, plays. I think that's about average. I mean, it's two more. Last year, I think we averaged sixty eight plays, maybe something like that. Yeah, a nice sixty nine. I'm not sure, but it was it was right. I mean, it was right there. You know, the new the new play the new uh, play clock or new play clock rules didn't affect us. Yeah. Yesterday was um, like 12 years since, or 11 years since uh, Tony Levine got beat by Texas State. And then the next week, Travis Bush ran the offense and you ran 115 plays. <laughs> it's, it's 115 so plays. It's so far. It's so hard to even visualize that. I mean, it's another, it's almost another game mm-hmm. from what you're doing right now or half a game, maybe. Dana said some things today 
about struggling to find the identity um, of last year's team, and it took halfway through the season. We're all led to believe that it took Dana taking over the play calling and moving forward that way. This year, Burchett, the quarterback's coach, was said to have called the first game. Dana told us in the press conference today that he took over on fourth downs. He called the two. He was in charge of the fourth down calls. And then they were 0-2 <laughs> on fourth down on defense because UTSA picked up both of theirs. So really 0-4 on defense on right. Saturday. You know, and it, it, down, it, 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 overall. Is, it is strange that we actually kicked a field goal right before half um, on fourth down. I was actually surprised. What was it, fourth down? Fourth and five. <clears throat> no, you got an automatic first down on the personal foul call. Well, I know, but we kicked it into the personal foul, right? No, you tried the, that. You're talking about the long snap. That's right, yeah. When they lined up over the long snapper. We'll edit that out. Or we won't. Anyway, so um, give, me your, give me your thoughts on the uh, first game of the year. Give me your thoughts on the pregame festivities and tailgates. What, how, how was it? How hot was it? Was it? Uh, was there palpable excitement? So I was on campus for about twelve hours Saturday. I went through four shirts and just sweated through all of them. Uh, tailgating scene was impressive. The students on Cougar Alley, which I didn't know it was called Cougar Alley, but it is is where the students are all between the stadium and Cullen um, and where the team does a cougar walk from kind of near the parking garage to the locker room. Mm -hmm. The student tailgates were impressive. There was a lot of them. There were a lot of people at all of them. Good. But when you walk around the corner between where the parking garage is on Holman and the stadium, it was virtually empty. Like, it's prime real estate. Right. And they have um, kids' area there and different things, but it just seems like a wasted opportunity to put tailgates right there. There should be some, I don't know what, the, the tailgating um, between Scott and the stadium was pretty good, as good as it's been in a few years. I did not make it over to the red lot because I had a lot of content to do pregame, and I'll tell you about that in a second. But there, there was the tailgating impressed me. It felt like a big time game beforehand. It seems like people got in the stadium pretty easily. There weren't huge issues with concessions and and things like that. Getting out of the stadium may have been a little worse. I was there till midnight. I have no clue. But it was <laughs> fine well, when it, I left. It's it's been a long time since we've had a crowd like that. Yeah, and it was good and and. The stadium filled in middle of the first quarter, maybe start of the second, and it it looked good. And it seems like it looked good on television. I'm not sure. Um, uh, it, yeah, it, I thought so. Okay. I mean, it just the the tops. I guess the tops of the, I guess the tops of the home side didn't completely fill in. But you yeah, know. and I can't see that from where I'm at. Um, and, I could you know, see one corner, and it looked okay. You know what? That's fine. It was a good crowd. It was a yeah. hot day, a hot night. Beforehand, before the game, uh, our new roving correspondent, Andy Yanez, and I and 
the videographer from Gus Law Firm, his name is Andres, we went and did some filming. But we spent about 90 minutes roaming the stadium, 300 level, 200 level, 100s, to film. And um, Andy was, he's doing features every week, something different, Mm -hmm. something unique, something you've never seen. And we're just trying to get different ideas. Like, I've had some ideas for some different things for a couple of years. I haven't had anybody to put them into motion because it's a, it's a game-long commitment to do what we want to do. Right. And I'm not missing the game to go do a feature. I don't care if Andy misses the game. What do I care? So Andy <laughs> is going to do these features for us, and he'll, we'll have them each week um, each, after each home game, and we'll just see. And they might suck, but I don't think they're going to. I think they're going to be pretty good. No, yeah, I think they'll, I think they'll be very good. I'm happy to have him aboard. It's good to. Yeah, I've always I've always liked him. I know he's he's good at what he does, and and it's nice to nice to be able to kind of to to finally put together some of the ideas that you've come up with over the years. But can I tell you what pisses me off about him? No. No. Yes. Go ahead. We're walking around outside the stadium and then inside the stadium. And people walk by, oh, hey, Andy, Andy, Andy. Hey, I love watching your show. I love seeing you. I love you. Lots of people are doing this. <laughs> Nobody says a word to me. Well, no. Why would they? And then, I mean, we're doing this for forever. And finally, I need to go get my wallet. My wallet was in my backpack in the press box. I just didn't, I didn't have it in my pocket. I walk away from Andy and Andres and I go to the press box and come back. Four people stopped me when I was alone and said, hey, Ryan, we love what you're doing. You're doing a great job. Like, come on. <laughs> yeah, that's that, you're going to tell me that story and you don't have anybody to corroborate it. So that's one of those, you know, you've got a girlfriend from out of town that, 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 nobody, uh, that nobody knows. Yeah, um, yeah I'm going to man-tie Tao you right here. <laughs> All right, back to the game. I think my overall impression is at some point you've got to be able to run the ball and you didn't run it against UTSA last year. And you damn sure didn't run it against them this year. Dana says that rice is really good against the run, which sounds like a cover for what you're going to see again this week. The run game concerns me a lot. The right side of the line, which we've thought would be a problem it was they gave up six of the seven pressures on donovan smith in the game yeah i i just don't know how it can be this bad this consistently is it you can't get off the ball you can't you're not running the right plays they don't really try to spread the field in the running game you know doing creative things on the outside to try to to neutralize a pass rush or excuse me a a, a defensive rush. What do you think? Yeah. What do I think? I think, yes, a running game, you need to, it's something that you would like to have. Say you need it. Honestly, Wait, I don't like think so. to have. Yeah. So it's something you'd like to have. We've seen offenses evolve. We, it's been proven the old, I guess the old saying that you got to run the ball to be able to pass it. No. No, that's been proven that you can actually pass to open up the run game. Um, we we did it here. I feel like we did that here with Dana. 
we did that here with Dana. We did that here with Cliff. We did that here with, um, uh, with even with Herman. Um, a lot of our run game came off of our passing game and the threat that we that we posed both vertically and horizontally because you get people you get people moving all over the place and then you can start to run behind it. Um, you become a threat in every area. Um, I think a lot of our sets lend them to being able to do a pre-snap read of saying, hey, guess what? They're going to run it because, I mean, I know I know people in the stands are calling it. Um, I just, I would like to see us being able to use space more effectively and use it to be able to strengthen what we do. We don't do a whole lot of pre-snap motion, and when we do, it's usually going to be an end around. That got sniffed out really easy yesterday yeah i mean that's been sniffed out quite often more more so than it than it than it actually works um i think there's a lot more ways that we can attack creating a running game other than just trying to just force it right up the gut well that part i agree with 100 percent. i mean maybe maybe we don't have the mobility needed to run that type. I'm not, I don't know. I don't know the reason for the, um, the schematic decisions. All I know is that it can be done a lot, lot differently than what we're trying to do. Yeah. In Um, the fourth quarter, you ran it with double tight end set, you know, have a tight end in the uh, H back spot. And, It's just so predictable. It's so yeah. With that and much how time, it's coming, surely that people that watch time, film can see it. Yeah, with that much time left and the game situation, I'm I'm fine with that. You know, you're trying to you're just trying to to wrap up a game and put it on ice. No, a hundred percent. That that clock that, killing right. drive was the most impressive thing we did offensively, in my opinion. Right. Right. Um, I like Sam Brown a lot. I like what he did. If you think about last year, the Kansas game and the Tulsa game. So his first game and his last game at TDECU, he got involved in scuffles. He came out this year, first time at TDECU, and he just took care of business. He just, he, six targets, six catches. I was thrilled for him personally, but... Also, you know, give Dana credit for sticking with him because it would have been easy to to run him off or to push him down the depth chart, recruit over him, whatever. But he stuck with him. Uh, the, the tight end, Michael McLaughlin, made a really nice play to keep a drive, that, that clock killer drive alive. <laughs> and then we got the news today that he's going to be, he's on the depth chart wise, his second team which oh, okay. they played four tight ends last week. He's going to get time, but it just seemed weird that that's how it went about. And then well, Dana said Brandon Campbell was nicked up in the game, and now he's first-team kick return. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. No, I thought the, I thought the tight end, I thought it was a great catch, not just because, I mean, hey, it was, it was a big catch, but that was a laser from yeah. five yards away. I mean, yeah. That got there in a hurry. Usually a ball thrown with that velocity bounces off the hand. Bounces off and goes in somebody else's hand, yeah. So kudos to that. Um, 
outside of that, I mean, you know, we 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 use the tight end a lot to try to help out um, in the blocking scheme, especially there on that right side. Yeah, a lot on that right side. And, and that's just what we're gonna have to. That's what we're gonna have to go with. Um, you know, I don't see. I don't see any radical changes happening um, until something's gonna have to go terribly, terribly wrong for a change to happen. Kind of like last year. I mean, the the situation's gonna dictate that. Oh my God, it's slipping away. We got to do something different. Yeah. Um. I, I think. I mean, you've got to see what happens this week and, and then TCU. You might see something different in that Sam Houston game, or they might wait till after Tech, and then you've got a little time between that and West Virginia. Right. And so I think you're, you're right. You're going to see pretty much the same things against Rice. Yeah. You should have way more talent than Rice. Now, yeah. they, they played with you last year, but I, I don't think this is close this year. Shouldn't um, be. Well, no, but that, that doesn't seem to matter. Uh, Baylor should not be losing to I know, it's, State. It's, it's a rivalry game. You know, anything can happen. Um, you know, today Dana talked about wanting to continue this game. I don't see a spot for it on the schedule for a few years. And um, I used I think to be you, so in favor of playing this game, but now yeah. I just don't know that it makes a ton of sense. Oh no, it does to me, one hundred percent. I would, I would do everything to, to keep this game on the schedule. If this is your G five game, like next year, you have UNLV as your G five game. You have OU, and then you're not. Well, UNLV is a different. Dump they the kind game. of bailed you out a few times, and you want to make that return trip in 27 or 28 or whatever year that is. Yeah, just dump it. Dump We're it. going to take the entire Goku team on the road for that. I tell you what, everybody that's ever done anything for us, let's go. But I want I want the Rice game on the schedule. Why? Because it's an extra game in Houston. I get that. That's not a I mean, honestly, argument honestly, made. I would be I would be happy to play every game at Rice so we can have seven in Houston. Your math is making my head hurt. What? Every would, game at Rice? Yeah. Give them a home game every time we play them so we can have that extra game in Houston. Well, when you have four games in the conference at home and then you have a, a P5, you might be on the road, you might be, you know, you may not have six or seven or eight games at home build, build your schedule build your schedule to where you can have that extra houston game well you can <clears throat> i mean we're going to bring more fans over there than than they will you can do it where your g5 game is always at home though um i'm not comparing to like michigan or, or somebody like that but they're not traveling to wyoming like texas tech did which i love by the way hey, those man, two we're, schools we're, should play we're in the P five now. We need to we need to take on the P five mentality, and we need to cripple up the schedule early. Get as many guaranteed W's as, as possible. So I don't care. Don't worry about playing another P five school. Just well, you have to play a P five every year. That's just the Big Twelve model. Oh, oh God. they're gonna they're gonna make us do it, aren't they? Yeah. And the OU game, I don't love this OU game next year. I, I don't do. love it. 
I like that. Down the road, you have a lot of opportunity to do things. I, I just don't know if rice makes sense. Um, it's not like they bring anybody across town. No. The stadium at Rice is, I guess it's charming in the way that Robertson was charming. Like when you go into the, the bathrooms in the corner at Robertson and you stood in about three inches of everybody. <laughs> ankle, ankle. That was charming. Water. Yeah. And, and the urinal wall at Rice was charming. One thing on offense I want to add that I really liked. I was really going to talk about this. I think we're going the same way. It's Manjack. Yeah. But probably maybe for different reasons. I don't know, but go ahead. Well, you tell me yours. He went over the middle. Right. He's a surefire. Hint. I mean, he just catches everything. That no glove SOB catches all of it. And his footwork in that game impressed me so much. And then the separation he got on the touchdown on the slant, just a really great route. What were you going to say? Not just not just his ability and willingness to run over the middle, <clears throat> but he's everybody's willing to run over the middle. Are they willing to put their arms up and make a catch over the middle right. and take well, what's coming? What I also see is he's the perfect inside receiver for kind of a wide open attack mm-hmm. of what we what we you know, what we're used to seeing. He's, he reminds me, he's in that um, Justin Johnson mold of he's going to catch everything. He's going to go into, he's going to go into places where, uh, where other people aren't, but he's going to make, he's going to make those catches, whether he's going to be, you know, a a quick slant, you know, a little flare out to the sideline, um, something down the scene. Um, He brings a threat where you have to account for that guy because you can't expect, you'll never expect him to drop the ball. Yeah. Now he might do it, but it's not one of those, oh, he may catch it or he might not catch it. Oh, you're going to expect him to catch it. And you'll be shocked that he drops it if he ever does. But he gives you that, that kind of dynamic guy that you can rely on either as a, as a quick first choice or a good check down guy. That's going to get that's going to get your yards and do damage and, and help you really move the chains. He's going to be he's going to be real effective between six and fifteen yards um, that can really make the offense cook because then you can then you can use your your speed guys as real threats and those are the guys that are going to be able to hit the home runs. I'm not saying that Menjack won't, but. It gives you a different kind of. He's a possession receiver to me, right? I think every time you throw to him, you're getting a first down. There's nothing wrong with that, and I like it. Well, no, I mean, Wes Welker. At this point, you're all possession receivers because nobody's going for the home run threat, at least to this point. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, Wes Welker, Julian Edelman. um, Okay, but he's like three feet taller than Wes Welker. Well, D- Danny Amendola, he's in that. He's in that. They might wear the same that, size shorts. They, they true. <laughs> they're they're those similar types of receivers that you're going to have to you you have to account for those guys because they're going to catch the ball. That's that's all there is to it. That's why I like them. You brought up Justin Johnson. You brought up Juice. You know yeah. he's an assistant head coach at Tech now. Really, he was at Baylor the last few years. Yeah. And he's the assistant head coach, passing game coordinator, and wide receiver. And I didn't know that until just now. So good for him. 
One of, he one is of my, moving up. One of my favorite ranks. players. Yeah. I mean, he went from kind of a left out fullback type fullback, to, right? a slot, to a slot receiver who was just unbelievable at that job. He's just a guy that that did everything he could to work his way into the lineup. Hey, I got to catch balls. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna be great at it. And since we're a special teams broadcast, by the way, this is 15 seconds for Gus, injury lawyers. I'm Stuart Gus, official personal injury attorney of U of H Athletics. If you've been injured in an auto accident, big or small, who you have on your team matters. You can trust Gus to get you the best possible results for your case. Call 866-TRUST-GUS. So we talked about this on Afterthoughts, and Dana talked about it today. But U of H absolutely crushed UTSA in special teams. And it's not just kicking and returns and the Malik Fleming 48-yard return. UTSA did some weird stuff on special teams. They were so determined to return kicks. It just didn't make any sense to me. And they they started at the 20, the 16, and the 3. I mean, you're losing two first downs, three first downs, four first downs, their total. That makes no sense to me why they would keep doing that. And that's just a poorly disciplined team. I understand if somebody does it the first time, but at some point you just say, wave your hand in the air and let's go to the 25. It just made muff it and then down it at the three. Yeah. Muff it. And then, okay, that's cool. Uh, know the rules. And if if I'm putting you back there, you better damn sure know the rule. (laughs) Yeah. They lined up over the long snapper on U of H's second field goal attempt, which is a offensive lineman will tell you, they love that rule. Even old school offensive linemen who hate everything new love yeah. that rule. Yeah. Well, they, the the deep snapper on that, that was just a suicide job. Yeah, you're right. And so they changed the rule and you can't line up directly over him. Yeah. Well, they did. And I don't know how you have a formation where that happens. No. Or you you don't have somebody that is there to say, okay, move. Like, let's get in this correctly yeah and so they i mean they gave you of h a first down and you of h turned it into a touchdown which ends up being your winning points yep jack martin missed a kick his first one was 51 yards i think it was into the wind it was just a bad spot you lost yardage on third down and you were in a spot where there's no right or wrong decision whether to kick or whether to go for it mm-hmm. uh, some coaches would even punt from right there which that's the wrong decision but, um, you know, nothing wrong with that. That's just really his first kick being the man. And I, there's nothing wrong with that. He made the second one. He made the third one, which they took off the board. Right. Uh, and his kickoffs were pretty good. And the fact that UTSA helped him out a lot by returning them was even better. Yeah. Uh, UTSA missed a field goal. Uh, I mean, you just dominated in, the, in that game. And Lane Wilkins... I never thought he kicked it great, but he still netted 44 a kick. That's pretty yeah. good. Put with three inside the 20? That I don't know. I don't care about. I think that's an overblown stat now. Well, I mean, it, hey, it's still a cool stat. Special teams, pretty good. Defense did a lot of good things. The most important thing is you kept them off the board. Right. And they scored two touchdowns. You're happy with that every game from here to eternity. Yeah. 
if what's, you, what was, what's our what's our rule under 24 28 is the rule and it's 94 percent or something like that and i have to go back but i think it's since the year 2003 since art browse got here if you hold a team to 28 or fewer at u of h you win like 92 or 93 percent of the games right we're probably gonna have to throw that out the window yeah yeah i mean the big 12 changes that dynamic i mean hope's a plan so many yeah. hope we can hope we can uh not have to worry about it. Shadozi and Jeremy Caldwell went out of the game. We don't really know anything about Caldwell's injury. He's listed as a backup for this week. Shadozi is listed as a backup. His is an ankle. His dad said he would be fine. Other than those two, I think that's the only real injury we saw. But I was impressed with the defense gave up some yards, but that does not matter to me. You can go from the five-yard line to the five-yard line all day. I don't care. They gave up yards. They didn't give up points. They, they made, they, there was not a lot of TFL. There was not a lot of sacks. I think there was one, maybe two. And so it didn't look like what you have seen the last few years, but it worked nonetheless. The defensive backfield was pretty good. Cephas, I think, caught, how many balls did he catch? 11? 14? 100? Nine. Well, that's what I said. He was targeted 16. Targeted 16, yeah. Caught nine for 123. Okay. I mean, they put him all over the field to try to get him into matchups, and he got his, but it didn't affect you. He scored one touchdown. Okay. Fine. I think you'll give that up every day. I think there's obviously things that have to be cleaned up before you get to TCU. Your thoughts on the defense? You're not as impressed as I am, I think. Um... They were they were solid in a game like solid. this. In a, in a game like this, I mean, they were solid. Um, there's there's some concerns. I've got I've got red flags all over the place. And maybe maybe it's just me being punch drunk from the last five six years because I see stuff and I'm like, oh shoot, I've, I've seen here we I've seen this before. I've seen this before, and it never ends well. Um, hoping, hoping everything's going to be different. And, uh, there's just, there's just some red flags. I mean, we made the plays that we needed to make. Um, we it's enough to, to pack away the win, but it's not something that I'm, I'm saying that, oh, I feel, I feel so relieved. I, you know, the questions that I had coming into it, coming into from that we talked about last week, um, those questions are still there and the concerns that I had coming into last week are still, I think they were kind of confirmed. Um, so that, that just kind of puts a little bit of damper on it, but you know, wins a win. If we're going to learn, you mean, your, gonna... your concerns were, were validated. What well, depth, depth was a concern everywhere. Um, yeah. That still remains a concern. Okay. What else? In regards to, well, you were talking about defense, so I thought maybe you had. Oh, I'm still con- I'm still concerned that Cephas was able to get free for 123 yards. Um, I'm glad that they they didn't have DeCorian Clark because um, that could have posed an even bigger problem. Because I think he's even better. Than I think Cephas. if they'd have had a healthy quarterback, maybe. Well, I, I just you know, I did. Frank Harris was you know, not what we've seen in the past. Even with that, I mean, the, the I'm more concerned about a more competent, more 
more uh, physical opponent that we're going to play this year as opposed to in previous years. Yeah, well, that's a concern. Um, and that's, it's really, it's really concern. The concern is, is not that, oh, we'll just wait until we get to, you know, the, the middle of our AAC schedule and we get South Florida and then we get, you know, Temple and then we get ECU. Um, you know, those things work themselves out. We've got, we've got Rice and then TCU and then Sam Houston and then it gets real. I'm hoping that's enough time. I'm hoping that's enough time too, buddy. Uh, so overall, good, not great. Encouragement here and there, but concerns here and here and here and here and there. But at the end of the day, a win is a win. And I did not see it coming. I really didn't think U of H was going to win this game. And if not for that millimeter thing at the end or the personal foul right before the half, maybe they don't win it. Yeah. Ifs and buts and all that crap. Exactly. It's a win. I mean, we played, we played clean. Yeah. We haven't even talked about that. Three penalties, two of them are holding calls on receivers. You'll take that every day. Absolutely. One OL penalty. The starters, all five defense or offensive line starters played every, every snap. And one penalty between them, take that all day. Five yard penalty, not even a big one. Um, Absolutely. No, uh, no, no game breaking mental collapses or right. no big, no big problems there. We won the turnover battle. Um, we got three. We got three turnovers. Didn't turn it over at all. all. Every bit of that. Every bit of that is is really really good. The concern is that still led to a three point win. A three point hold on win, yeah. Hope you get the hope you get a favorable spot. I am very curious how this week goes. Um you should beat Rice, you should be able to play some guys, but you never know. Hey, you know I, this could be a trap is, game. It could be anything you want to call it. Oh well I mean if you're if gonna, these guys if are looking ahead to TCU. Yeah. If the if you're gonna have if there's such thing as a trap game, this next one is it. Yeah. But I don't put a whole lot of weight in the in the trap game. There are moments in time in college football that they are real. And my well, number absolutely. one is after playing two emotional games in a row, the third game is going to be a dud. And that we'll happened with Kansas one, last year. The hope is that this one's over with by halftime and you're you're looking at playing backups. But if uh if we had won if we had won this game the way I thought we were going to win this game by 14 17 points um if we had a big win today and then rice next week and and then uh TCU I would be concerned about that as a trap game but I think there's so many questions that there's so much to clean up that there's no chance of overlooking this game to the next one We'll besides, see. Besides, besides, I believe that they've already done they've done prep in the off season for for the uh, TCU game as well. Well, but and, that has nothing to do with the emotional state of a college kid. True. And I think that's where the the trap is not in prep, but in emotions and how a, a college player or a group of college players 
uh, look at something. Um, yep. That's it. We're going to check out gokooks.com all week, every week. Lots of content. We're doing a lot of cool things. We have so many people working with us right now who are doing spectacular things. And I hope you check it out. YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, other stuff. GoKooks.com. He's Brad Towns, Ryan Monzo. Come on, Renew. Take us out. Y'all woo me to death. Yeah, boo!